Today on Awaken to Grace, we are continuing through our Revelation series called Things to Come. However, we're going to make a quick detour out of the book of Revelation into the book of Daniel. And the reason why is because between Revelation chapters 4 and 5 and where the tribulation begins in Revelation 6, I think it's very important for us to understand Daniel's 70 weeks of prophecy. And today we're going to study Daniel chapter 9, particularly verses 24, 25, 26, and 27. And within these verses, we can understand God's prophetic calendar. We can see so many events of history and how they have unfolded. We can see exactly where we are currently in God's prophetic calendar, and we can see what is coming up next in what is often called the 70th week of Daniel, that last week, that seven-year tribulation period. So friends, in this session, I just take my time and we walk phrase by phrase through these scriptures. And it's my prayer that as God gives us more clarity, more understanding, more wisdom and discernment of his word, that more faith and more confidence and more love of the scriptures grow within your heart. So let's go today to Daniel chapter 9. We're going to kick off in verse 20, and we're going to work our way through this all-important text, often called the backbone of Bible prophecy. Daniel chapter 9, starting at verse 20. <clears throat> While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give to you insight and understanding at the beginning of your pleas for mercy a word went out and i have come to tell it to you for you are greatly loved therefore consider the word and understand the vision 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression to put an end to sin to atone for iniquity to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares and moats, but in a troubled time. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week, he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one 
who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Amen. So there is a world of content here. Let's begin by understanding the context that this is written in. What is difficult about the book of Daniel, if you've ever studied Daniel, while Revelation is laid out, in my view, in perfect chronological order, and that's one reason I want to teach chapter by chapter through the, through the book, is because when you look at it in chronological order, it all fits and makes sense. And where we are right now in our study, we were in Revelation 1, 2, and 3 last year, and there were eight sermons to that, and that is what we call the church age. And I'm going to reinforce that here in Daniel 9. Then we began in chapter 4, we called that raptured and ready. Uh, I'm sorry, raptured and rewarded. We proved that that verb come up here is harpazo, and we showed that the rapture of the church happens after that great church age, after the end of Laodicea, Revelation 4.1. The Bema judgment seat of Christ, where we receive our crowns, is at the end of chapter 4. And chapter 5 is where Christ takes the scroll sealed with seven seals. Now, at this point in the book of Revelation, the tribulation has not yet began. The tribulation is going to begin in chapter 6, verse 1, when the Lamb breaks the first seal. So there is an interim of time here between the rapture of the church... Eric, if you can fix the little... I hear a little squeal in my microphone. If you can fix that for me, please. From the rapture of the church until the beginning of the tribulation, we don't know what that time period is. We don't know if that is going to be seven days or 30 years, to be quite frank. Now, I think it's quick because Jesus compares this period of time to like birth pangs, right? You don't, and birth pains come in succession, and they're fast. They're quickly moving. I think, I think the last days in this sense is going to happen extremely quick. So I don't look that the rapture would take place, and then 30 years later, the tribulation. No, I don't think so. But there is an interim of time. In my thinking, I used to think the rapture takes place, and bam, seven-year tribulation begins. But that's not true. According to Daniel 9, verse 27, the tribulation is going to begin with the signing, with the enforcement of a covenant with Israel. And it's at that time, as we're going to see next week, Revelation 6, this Antichrist, this pseudo-Christ, is going to come on a white horse, and we'll explain all that next week. And it's interesting because he comes with crowns on his head and he comes with a bow but no arrows. And what that tells us is diplomacy. He's going to come as a man of peace. He'll be one of the most charismatic, one of the most electrifying men that the world has ever known. And like the little horn of Daniel, he's going to rise out of obscurity. He's going to rise onto the world stage. But see, there's an interim period here. 
And the reason why I want to teach Daniel 9 this morning in between Revelation chapters 4 and 5 and before we get to chapter 6 is because I want to show you precisely where we are on God's prophetic clock. Because let me tell you, my friends, God's clock is ticking and it's ticking swiftly. Amen? So understand the context. When 70 weeks is declared by Gabriel, the archangel. And by the way, we know there's a classification of angels called archangels. But do you know that scripture only gives us three names of archangels? I believe there's more, but we only know of three. And do you know who they are? Gabriel, who always makes announcements about Christ. All through the scriptures, if there is an announcement about the Messiah, it's Gabriel making that great announcement. Hallelujah. It's Michael, who apparently, as it appears in scripture, is the chief archangel. He is, he is the captain, it would be, of the archangels. And you know who the only third archangel the Bible mentions? Lucifer. For he was an archangel before he was kicked out of heaven. Isn't that interesting? So Daniel, according to Daniel 9 verse 1 and 2, is reading the book of Jeremiah. Daniel is, in essence, studying prophecy. What the difference is between Daniel and Revelation is Revelation is laid out in perfect chronological order. But the book of Daniel is not in chronological order. So it's really easy to get lost in Daniel. In one chapter, Daniel will be a young man. In another chapter, he's an old man. It's because the book is not in chronological order. Daniel was a teenager when the Babylonian Empire overthrew Jerusalem Destroyed the temple and carried off the best of Israel. And Daniel was among the best, along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew children. And Daniel was a teenager then. By the time we get to this story in Daniel 9, in this teaching, Daniel is an old man. And Daniel is reading the book of Jeremiah, particularly Jeremiah 25, verses 1 through 11, particularly 10 and 11, and Jeremiah 29, 10. And the Bible teaches in Jeremiah that the Babylonian captivity would be 70 years. Now Daniel, like every good student of the Bible, takes the Bible literal. And Daniel knows that the Babylonian captivity is almost over. Because Daniel, by this point, he was taken as a teenager. And at this point, he is an old man. And Daniel's doing the math. And based on Jeremiah's prophecy, he knows the Babylonian captivity is coming to an end. So Daniel begins to intercede. And if you want to know how to intercede for loved ones, if you want to know how to intercede for lost children and lost grandchildren, read Daniel 9's intercession. It's remarkable. And notice Daniel said in verse 20, I believe, Caleb, he said that he was repenting for his sin and the sin of his people. But oddly enough, do you know that Daniel and Joseph are two of the only men of the Bible who no evil is written about? That doesn't mean they were sinless by no means. Only Jesus Christ was sinless. We know that. Daniel and Joseph by far were not sinless. But they're the only two 
blockbuster characters of the Bible who no evil was written about, only Daniel and Joseph. And it's interesting when you get down to verse 23, Gabriel comes with this prophecy. And what does he tell Daniel? He tells Daniel, you are beloved. You are greatly loved. You know what I find so interesting, my friends? Daniel is greatly loved. He's the beloved of the Old Testament. And what does the Bible say of the Apostle John who gave us the book of Revelation? He was the beloved disciple who laid on the breast of Christ, right? Isn't that amazing? Daniel, the Old Testament beloved. John, the revelator, beloved. And they both tell us about God's agenda in end-time prophecy. And so Daniel's going to get this remarkable prophecy, and each part of it is absolutely astounding. Let's begin in verse number 24. Caleb, if you would please, brother, read verse 24 for me. Verse 24 says, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and prophet, and to anoint a most holy place. So this is going to be a key to understanding this prophecy. If you're going to unravel it and really understand it, this is what you must understand. What we have said throughout this series so far, the church is absolutely not Israel. God has two different narratives The church will never replace Israel. And there are some who teach a replacement theology and it is error. The church is not Israel. So the first thing you must understand is that this prophecy is about the Jews. Notice he says, 70 weeks are decreed about your people. This is about Israel and about the holy city. This prophecy is about God's city, Jerusalem. You want to please the heart of God in your prayer times? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for God's holy city. God has forever loved Jerusalem, and God will forever love Jerusalem. And you should too. And it's going to be interesting when we get to Revelation 17 and 18. We're going to see the great fall of Babylon. And beginning in the book of Genesis, with the Tower of Babel, beginning in the book of Genesis, all the way to the last book of the Bible in Revelation 18, it is a tale of two cities, Jerusalem and Babylon. And you and I, from the balconies of heaven, we're going to watch the fall of Babylon, and we're going to shout, Hallelujah, when that city falls. Because you know what's coming, Revelation 19 and 20? You know what's coming? The new Jerusalem, Revelation 21. Amen? So, this prophecy, number one, is about Israel and it's about Jerusalem. If you don't understand that, you're not going to understand the rest of the prophecy. This is not about the church age. It does not apply to the church age. This is solely about Israel. Now, he is going to give six things. I call this God's agenda. 
This is God's. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We are praying God's agenda here. Caleb, read me those six things that God intends to do. The first three has to do with man's sin. The, first, the last three has to do with God establishing his righteousness. To finish the transgression. That's one. To put an end to sin. Two. And to atone for iniquity. Three. Let's pause right there. Christ has accomplished those three things. Christ accomplished all three. Now, they are reality for us, the church, who are forgiven of sin and blood bought. But according to Romans 9, 10, and 11, right now, Israel is blinded, and they will be blinded until they repent. And when will they repent? Daniel 9, 27, at the last half of the great tribulation, the last three and a half years. But for now... The Jewish people, their eyes are blinded, and these are not realities. These three things have not become reality for the Jews. They will, but they have not yet. Why? Because we are in a unique period of time called the church age, called the times of the Gentiles, according to Romans. And what did we say last week? Boaz, who was the kinsman and redeemer, took Ruth, who was a Moabite, who was a Gentile bride. And what did we say Christ is doing with us, the Gentile church? Revelation chapter 19, one day there's going to be a great marriage supper of the Lamb, and he is going to take us, his Gentile bride. Amen? That's the whole point of John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. It, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am there you may be also. And if I go, I will come again. You know what Jesus is describing? A Jewish wedding. And the groom would go and prepare a place in his father's house for his new bride. And the bride had no idea when the groom would return. He could come at any moment. And there was an imminency. There, were, there was an expectancy. And that's the whole point of John chapter 14. Why? Because we are Ruth. We are the Gentile bride of Christ. Amen. None of that's in our notes for today. All that's free. All right. So the first three have not been realized for Israel. The next three will be realized in the great millennial kingdom. And that's the purpose of the kingdom. So take me through those three, Caleb. To bring in everlasting righteousness. So has that happened yet? No. Number two? To seal both vision and prophet. Has prophecy and vision been sealed? No. It's wide open right now. We're living it right now to this day. Number three. And to anoint a most holy place. And to anoint. In the Hebrew, that is the holy of holies. What right now sits on the holy of holies? Do you know? The Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem. That is a Muslim shrine. It is owned by the Muslims. Don't let me forget, when I come to verse 27, I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, how the Antichrist is going to enforce his covenant with Israel. I believe it all is going to have to do with the future temple that right now is built on the Holy of Holies that is the Dome of the Rock. So, the point is, these things are future. This is a future-looking prophecy. 
Now, let's understand the 70 weeks. If you're going to take notes, it's critical you understand this. The 70 weeks represents 70 sets of seven years. How do we know it's years? Because Daniel 9, 1, Daniel is thinking in the context of years. Daniel is, is already thinking and praying in terms of years. So when Gabriel gives him this prophecy, he declares 70 sets of seven. In a moment, I'm going to show you just how accurate your Bible truly is. Verse number 25, please. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Mm. Then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. So let's understand what's happening. There's going to be 69 weeks, 69 sets of seven. But what about the 70th week? There is a gap in between the 69 weeks and the 70 weeks. Friends, that's the church age. That's the time period that you and I are living right now. I want to prove to you that was from A.D. 70. That was August 6th, A.D. 70 until what's going to be the rapture of the church. When the rapture of the church takes place, and we're in heaven, Revelation 4 and 5, there's going to be a breaking of the seals, Revelation 6, and that's going to trigger the tribulation period, which is going to trigger Daniel 9, 27, when the Antichrist, the Pseudo-Christ, makes, enforces a strong covenant with Israel. So understand, the first part of the prophecy is all past history. Now, Daniel was looking forward. We have the advantage of looking back. The first 69 sets of weeks have already transpired. And then there is a gap period. Some call it the gap of grace. Some call it the church age, whatever you want to call it. There is an unknown time of a gap period before the pseudo-Christ triggers the tribulation period which will be the rider of the white horse, Revelation 6.1, and will be the breaking of the seal, Revelation 6.1. We right now are living in between this time. So let's understand those first 69 years because all of this will begin to make sense to you. The Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, church, the longer I teach the Bible, the more fascinated I am with it. Every single phrase here matters. Now, notice what he said, from the going forth of the word, from the decree that Jerusalem should be rebuilt, verse 25. When did that happen? Technically, there are four decrees to rebuild Jerusalem in the Bible. So how do we know which decree it begins at? Because if we know what decree it is, we can then pinpoint the calendar. And why do we know such accurate dates of these times of history? It's because the Jews are so accurate with Passover. We know when Christ died on the cross. We know when he did his triumphal entry. We know all of these dates because of Passover. So we go back all this time period of history. And I want to show you how accurate that the Bible truly is. The decree, there were four decrees to rebuild Jerusalem. 
Now, this will help you in your understanding of the Old Testament. Ezra and Nehemiah were contemporaries, okay? Ezra's purpose and what the book of Ezra is about is the rebuilding of the temple. The problem that Ezra had in rebuilding the temple is that they didn't have protection. They could not protect themselves, so therefore they couldn't get far in their project. Then comes along Nehemiah, and he is granted permission. Do you remember Nehemiah's secular job? He was the cupbearer for King Artaxerxes. And when King Artaxerxes issues his decree that Jerusalem may be rebuilt, the Nehemiah goes down to Jerusalem with the king's permission, with all of the king's wealth, with the timber of the forest of the king. And what do they do? They rebuild the walls. And because Nehemiah goes with the governmental side, with the authority They begin to build the city. They begin to build the walls. Now they can protect themselves. Then they rebuild the temple. Now, why is that all important? I'm going to show you how accurate Scripture is. Of the four decrees, we know this decree that is prophesied by Gabriel to Daniel is the the decree of King Artaxerxes on March 5th, 445 B.C. March 5th, 445 B.C. The reason why we know is because the Holy Spirit is so detailed in His Word. Every detail matters. Remember what He said. He said, when the decree goes forth, the rebuilding of Jerusalem with streets and moats, or some translations say wall. The Hebrew there is moat or wall. The point is protection. Here's my point. Of all four decrees, three of them involved the rebuilding of the temple. Only one of them involved the literal streets and the literal walls of Jerusalem. And you know which one that was? March 5th, 445 BC, King Artaxerxes. So we can pinpoint now when this decree happened. Now what did Gabriel say? 69 sets of seven. Somebody who's good with math, tell me what that math comes out to. Nobody's good at math? Or is it that it's the early service? 480. Going once, going twice. 483, correct? Somebody fact check me real quick. Surely you can look it on your phone. Tell me if I'm right. 483 years. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I'm not telling you something wrong. You know I'm blind as a bat. I do all this by memory. You got to fact check me. 483 years. 69. What did he say? 62 sets of seven plus one set of seven. That's 69 sets Of seven years. This is a mathematical prophecy. You who love math, you'll eat this up. Now watch this. Caleb, read verse 25 very slowly to me, please. Now watch this. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks... It shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. 
See how important that squares and moat, or some translations would say streets and walls? It pinpoints the prophecy. So because we know that this prophecy was given in March 5th, 445 B.C. by King Artaxerxes, we now fast forward 483 years. And now it's important to know in Bible years, they were based on 360 day calendars. That changed around 700 BC. But here in, but that Bible years are based on 360 days. And then you have leap years factored into there. And many, many, many scholars have done all these calculations. And let me tell you where this pinpoints. What did the prophecy say until the holy one comes, till the anointed one, till this prince? Who is it speaking of? It's speaking of Jesus Christ. Now, Let's get very accurate here. We know when Christ rode in, in his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It was March 30th, 33 AD. Friends, do you know how many years that was? 483 years. 69 weeks of prophecy were fulfilled in Luke 19 when Jesus rode in, fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Christ fulfilled that prophecy, and he rode in on a donkey. His first coming was on that donkey, but how is he going to ride in to Armageddon, Revelation 19? On a white horse. Amen. 69 sets of seven were fulfilled from the going forth to rebuild Jerusalem. That was 445 B.C. to Christ entering Jerusalem in March 33 A.D. Friends, can you believe how precise the word of God is? Now, Caleb, take us to Luke 19, beginning in verse 39. I heard a scholar say, and I loved this, it said, because most of us are Gentiles and we don't think with a Jewish thinking, we miss many things in the Bible. One of the ways you can tell that you as a Gentile mind has missed something big is when the Pharisees get all upset. When the Pharisees get really angry, it means something out of the Old Testament just happened. Something major. See, the Pharisees knew Zechariah 9.9. They knew that the Messiah would ride in on a colt. And watch what happens. See, you go all the way back to Psalms 118. You know the psalm, this is the day that the Lord has made rejoice and be glad in it. That is a prophecy about Christ riding into Jerusalem. Because it said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king who comes. They sang on that day in Luke 19, they sang Psalms 118. But watch what they missed. Luke chapter 19, verse 39. Read it, please. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. Now stop right there. He wept over Jerusalem. Why? God loves his city. But why did he weep? Because he said, if you had known 
this day. Look how accurate the word of God is. Continue, please. But now they are hidden from your eyes. They're blinded, you see. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you. Now, pause right there. Now, we're going to finish that verse out. But listen, now what Jesus is going to predict here. Remember what we said Peter said the sure word of God is? It is a word of what? Prophecy. A word of prophecy. What Jesus is going to prophesy here is the destruction of Jerusalem, which occurred on August the 6th, 70 AD, under the Roman general Titus. Now, I'm going to tie this all together in just a moment. Say amen if you're with me right now. Because all of this is going to fit together unbelievably. So Jesus fulfills Zechariah 9.9 by riding into Jerusalem on a colt, just as Scripture said. And they're singing Psalms 118. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. The Pharisees are all mad. And Jesus said, the prophecy, the meaning is hidden from your eyes. And what's he referencing? Daniel 9.25. And now, to the very day, the scripture is fulfilled. 69 weeks. And now Jesus weeps over the city. Because he knows in 37 years, the city will be destroyed and utterly crushed. And here's the remarkable thing. From August 6, 70 A.D. until May 14, 1948, for nearly 2,000 years, Israel was not a nation. All that's going to make sense in just a moment in Daniel 9. Finish out this verse for me, Caleb, please. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. Paul's right there. Titus Sieged Jerusalem for nine months. For nine months. And then they went in and they crushed them. And verse 44 says, And tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you. Paul's right there. Friends, do you realize how accurate the words of Jesus was? Titus was so greedy for the gold. In the temple, they had melted gold, and gold had seeped in and throughout the stone floor of the temple. Titus ordered his soldiers to rip the stones out to get the gold. And what did Jesus say? Not one stone would be left upon the other. Perfectly accurate. Go ahead. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Why did Jesus weep over the city? Because in 37 years it was going to be destroyed. And why was it going to be destroyed? Read that last phrase again, Caleb. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Because they did not know prophecy. Fascinating. Now let's go back to Daniel 9. And if you will, please, read verse 26. 
And let me expand another moment or two on the work of Titus. Thank you. I believe so. Verse 26. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. Okay. Now this is predicting the death of Christ. This is predicting the crucifixion. So the anointed one, as though it would appear, is cut off. And now watch what happens. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. Desolations are decreed. Now, it says the people of the prince. Listen how fascinating this is. The father of Titus was Vespasian, the emperor of Rome. Vespasian is the Roman emperor that built the Roman Colosseum, if you've ever been there. Vespasian had to leave Jerusalem to go back to Rome to become emperor, which would have made Titus a prince. And Titus was the first son to to follow to succeed his father in the Roman Empire. And you know, today, there are Muslims and Palestinians who will try to argue that there never was a temple, that Jerusalem never did belong to Israel, that it's a false narrative, and they try to rewrite history. But do you know what stands in Rome? And I had opportunity to visit there, and I walked under what's called the Arch of Titus. You can Google it. And they built the Arch of Titus in downtown Rome, right next to the Colosseum, in memory, in honor of Titus, right here in these days. And do you know what is forever cemented into concrete to the Arch of Titus? The Roman soldiers carrying out the articles of the temple, the golden lampstand and all that Jewish artifacts. That is historical proof that there was a temple. It was destroyed. Isn't that fascinating? Now, it says that this prince is going to come and surround the city, destroy the city. That happened August 6th, 70 AD. Now, here is the point. From AD 70 until our generation, until our day, May 14th, 1948, Israel was not a state. Friends, this is that gap period, that period called grace. And do you know what happened on May 14, 1948? God's time clock, once again, began ticking. So where are we in this prophecy right now? 69 sets of seven have already passed. That was March 5, 445 B.C. to March 30th, the triumphal entry, 33 A.D., Jesus died on the cross April 3rd, 33 A.D. He predicted 37 years later that Jerusalem would be destroyed. That was August 6th, 70 A.D. And now there is a parenthesis. There is a gap period that the Bible calls the mystery. Satan could not see the church age. And what is the church age? The church age is Laodicea, the last church of the church age. That is From Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 to the end, the Laodicea, end of Revelation 3, beginning with the rapture, Revelation 4.1. That's that time period 
called the church history. And that's where we are in the prophecy. Now, as I close, because I'm way over my time, I apologize. Let's read verse 27, and this is where we'll close. And I'm not going to comment much here because this is where we're going to pick up next Sunday in Revelation 6 with the beginning of the tribulation period. Let me just bring clarity to verse 27, please. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the degreed end is poured out on the desolator. So who is this man who's going to make a strong covenant? Uh, The Hebrew means to enforce. Who's going to force a covenant? It's the Antichrist, the pseudo-Christ. Now, Scripture says in three and a half years, in the middle of that week, three and a half years, and and that's another thing that will help you in the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel. It mentions a great deal, time, times, and half a time. Boy, I scratched my head forever trying to figure that out. I was trying to figure out what it meant, eternity, and time, times, and half a time. And you know what that is? That's a Bible way of saying three and a half years. Time, singular, times, plural, and half a time, 0.5. It's three and a half years. I felt so dumb when I finally realized that. (laughs) In three and a half years or 42 months, as many scriptures say as well, other places, this Antichrist is going to force a treaty with Israel. Now, let me just give you my speculation, just like we were talking on the four horsemen. This is just speculation. Right now, the property of the Temple Mount where the Holy of Holies was is the Islamic Dome of the Rock. I believe that the Antichrist, after the rapture, and don't look for the Antichrist because according to 1 Thessalonians 2, that man of lawlessness, that wicked man, will not be revealed until this restrainer is removed. What's that? That's the rapture of the church. The Antichrist will not be revealed, I don't believe, Until the rapture. So I don't waste time speculating on who it is. He won't be revealed. He'll come out of obscurity. The little horn. So the Antichrist. The pseudo-Christ. Is going to enforce his covenant. How is he going to do. What President Carter couldn't do. Reagan. Bush. Clinton. The other Bush. Obama. Trump. Certainly not Biden. How can he do what. Not a one of these presidents had the ability to do. He's truly going to be the greatest world leader the world has ever known. I believe one of the ways he's going to force a treaty with Israel. I don't know how, but I believe it's going to involve the building of the temple. We know there is going to be a temple built. We know this because Jesus taught it in Matthew 24 and Daniel teaches it here in Daniel 9 and because John teaches it throughout Revelation. We know there is once again going to be a temple in Jerusalem where the Holy of Holies was. That means it would have to be where the Dome of the Rock is. How the Antichrist is going to work all of that out, I don't know. I was talking with my mom this week about it, and she was telling me about a Bible teacher she was listening to that talked how the world religion is going to be about being a good person. So it doesn't matter if you're Muslim. 
doesn't matter if you're Christian, doesn't matter if you're Buddhist, doesn't matter if you're Hindu, as long as you are a global citizen, as long as you are a good person. I don't know how he's going to work that, but I believe he is. And I believe the way that Israel is going to submit to the treaty, I believe the way Israel is going to submit to the Antichrist and and follow that lead, I believe he's going to guarantee them the temple on the Holy of Holies, on the Temple Mount. And then it says... It's called the abomination of desolation. And you can read what Jesus taught about it in Matthew 24, as well as Mark and Luke. I believe Mark 13 and Luke, I think 21, but I believe three times in the Gospels. And as Jesus teaches the abomination of desolation, this is when the Antichrist will put up an image of himself and demand worship. And friends, that's when the eyes of Israel is going to finally be opened. That's when they're going to flee Jerusalem. See, that's what Jesus meant. Leave Jerusalem. Don't even go back into your home and get things. Leave. Flee. Because the persecution that's going to come on the Jews is going to be unparalleled to even the Holocaust. And the eyes of the Jews are going to come open. And that's when they're going to repent of their sins. Hosea 5.15 And that's what God is going to restore them back to himself. Romans 9, 10, and 11. Hosea 5, 15. And that's when the millennial kingdom will come. That's when the battle of Armageddon will take place. Revelation 19. The millennial kingdom. Revelation 20. And then will come the new heaven. The new earth. The new Jerusalem. Revelation 21. And then what we call eternity. The final state. Revelation 22. You'll understand all these things much better when you understand Daniel 9, 24 to 27, what is often called the backbone of Bible prophecy.